Well, today we're going to have communion at the end, but before we do, we're, we're continuing in this small series. I think this is maybe the last week on what's on my heart. And uh, Pastor Mark just said, you know what, guys, let's talk about things that just is going on in your, your heart right now as a pastor. And I appreciated Pastor Mitch's message uh, on forgiveness. And uh, today I want to talk about staying close to God because he is close to you. Staying close to God because he is close to you. I'm going to read two portions today. Both of them are kind of long. So that challenges us to engage a little bit, engage with, our, with the word, engage with the screens. First, from Psalms 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does now count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. I think many of us are here today and we can say, yeah, that's me. I'm blessed. I feel that blessing. I feel the freedom of not having the sin against me. And then the psalmist thinks back and he says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. He's talking about kind of the heaviness, the guilt that comes from sin. And there was a time in the psalmist's life that he kind of felt that heaviness, This felt that there was some responsibility to what he was acting like. And they sensed that God was giving a heaviness and showing him those things. Verse 5, then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you. Let me just pause right there. Up to this point, one through seven, the psalmist is speaking, and now he's kind of responding of God speaking to him, right? So we kind of have a, a perspective change. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. This is the Lord speaking. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will come to you, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. There's a lot of stuff there. Let's ask the Lord to give us a little wisdom as we look at it. Heavenly Father, thank you for the guide that your word is to us. Lord, we know that, that you're close to us. Well, maybe we know it in our minds, but sometimes we don't feel it. Lord, we want to be close to you. Teach us to turn our hearts, our minds, our lives, the way we live to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I had five roommates in college, and every single one was different. I think my youth group here, has CSM, has, has heard for, for years about Randy. Randy taught me how to take a punch, right? That was one of my roommates. Uh, my other roommate um, really liked the fact that he could take his teeth out of his mouth. He got, you know... Got a frisbee in his face at one point that took out all his teeth, and so he would take them out and leave them around the place. Uh, I had 
I had I had one roommate that was that was colorblind. That was a lot of fun because his mom had set up clothes for him, right, that he could wear together, and we switched the clothes out. Just great, great friend. Um, but I had a, my last roommate that that made me have the decision that my next roommate would be my wife. Um, was was this guy? I was a junior. I transitioned from uh, a, a Bible college in North Dakota to a Bible college in Springfield, Missouri. I was coming in as a junior. They put a freshman in with me in the same room, and uh, and I was really challenged by this person. Have you ever been challenged by the personality of another person? Uh, this 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 kid was just challenging to me, you know. And uh, he would consistently make questionable decisions. And uh, was very emotional, ups and downs. And I was there to study. I was there to, I was there to become a pastor, a missionary. He was there to find a wife. Um, they call it, uh, you know, Bible college is really bridal college. Ring by, <laughs> ring by spring or your money back kind of a deal. Freshman year, four weeks into the freshman year, he got a girlfriend. Um, and it was one of those things where he'd sit in his room and write songs to her, you know. So he'd sit in there writing songs to the girlfriend. And then after four weeks, they got engaged, you know, and, and then like a week later, she broke up with him. And then he met another girl, and like three weeks later, they were engaged, and he was writing new songs. <laughs> and, and yet we were in this tiny little room. I mean, this tiny little room. You know, his bed's there, my bed's there, and we couldn't be farther apart. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, we were close to each other. But then there was this sense that we were not close at all, you know. And, and uh, I paid the extra money second semester for a single. <laughs> I worked overtime. <laughs> Got to get that single. Um, and then, you know, I, I filled the other one with my wife, you know, and have just decided I'm not taking in another roommate and then kids come along, right? It's interesting how we can be close in proximity, but really not be close at all. I, I think that happens sometimes in marriage. And I don't think that's the purpose of marriage, where you literally we can sleep in the same bed with somebody, but be far away from someone. Our, our proximity's there, but the closeness isn't there. And, and we just challenge you, this isn't my sermon topic at all. But there, there's an old song a long time ago, I, I just came to mind when I was talking to some friends the other day about the power of, at the end of the night, rolling to the middle, not just physically, but emotionally, reconnecting. But our relationship with God can be very similar to that. We can acknowledge our need, and God can come and bring us close to him. Or we can all do all of the things that put us in proximity to God, but really not be close to him at all. We can be regular churchgoers. We can be individuals who have picked up the vocabulary and the culture. We can surround ourselves with quality friendships, with people of like mind and like heart of faith, and yet be so far from God in our hearts. I say this not simply as an observation as a pastor of something on my heart, but I'd like to say out of experience at times in my own faith. I really do think that pastors and missionaries, in my observation and my experience, can surround themselves with doing the right things, 
but be far from God. And what's on my heart today is that we would be people of practice of staying close to God. Now, it's great to have all the things of the church, the friends, right, the language, the culture, all of those things are part of our lives. But if that part of being close to God is missing, there is something that's definitely missing in our lives. Psalms 32, and I really encourage you to spend some time in this chapter because I don't think I'll do it really proper service today. Verses 1 through 5 really talk about that salvation experience. 1 through 5 talked about, I paused there, like realizing I have an issue. Realize there's something going on in my heart that is far from God. Realizing some of my practices that I keep secret are far from God. And there's a heaviness that comes with that, Scripture says. But though I was silent and though I was, he- I was heavy against me when I turned to God, He was there, and freedom came. And if that's you here today, I I encourage you, before the end of the service, we're going to give you an opportunity to say, I I want to engage in that freedom. I want to release myself of the heaviness of my sin and the reality of the heaviness of the burden that comes with it. Verses 6 and 7 describes the closeness that God has to us, how God wants to counsel our lives, how God wants to guide our lives. And then he goes right into verse 8 and 9, where the tense changes from David speaking to God to God speaking to David. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in every way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Bit and bridle. In other words, there are times when we are so far from God and we're not listening to him, the only way that God can really get us in the right way is kind of yank us in a direction. And some of us have felt that, where we go off course and suddenly there is a force within our experiences that tries to get us in line. Verse 8 says, I want to instruct you. I don't want to have to deal with you like a mule with a bridle in its mouth that has to pull one way or the other. I'd love to just instruct you and, and grow you in that way. I'm going to do something weird. Is it okay if I do something weird? I, you don't have a choice. <laughs> Pastor Mitch, can you grab that chair for me? Put it right up here. I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible. What's on my heart has a lot to do with simple practices of people of faith. And as many times as we talk about these simple practices of people of faith, I think there's some ambiguity that goes on where we don't really understand what it looks like. So I want to talk to you about what I do every day. Well, most days. There's some days, you know, it just doesn't happen. Maybe you have time for this. Maybe you don't. Maybe this lasts 10 minutes. Maybe it lasts an hour. We've put so many different names on it over the years, and we've put so much pressure on people to do it. We've guilted people. Do you know guilt is a horrible motivator in the church, right? But we've guilted people around doing, we call it devotions. We call it quiet time, your time with the Lord, your closet. We, we talk about all of these different things. But I, I just want to talk in a very simple way of, of what I do. We have a couch in our in our bedroom that I usually sit on, and I simply sit there with a cup of coffee. And every single morning, it's a little bit different. Some mornings, it's super busy. 
We try to get up a little bit earlier, so my wife sits on the other side of the couch and I sit on this side of the couch. We usually try to have breakfast in it, but sometimes it's just me as she's running off is busy or sometimes I run off early. Every morning seems to be different for most of our lives. And I try to do something as very practical as this. I take a passage of scripture. I take my Bible, which is very familiar to me. Maybe you, use, you can use your phone. Maybe you can use your computer. I like, I like pages. I don't know why. Choose a chapter. Any old chapter. Don't start in Leviticus. <laughs> That's master class stuff. Just leave that stuff, right? Start in John. Start in Acts. Spend some time in the New Testament. Spend some time in the Psalms or in Proverbs. Read a chapter. But before you do, literally do this. Put your Bible on your lap and say, okay, God, show me something by your spirit. Just ask the question, Lord, what will you show me today? And do some reading. Now, here's the thing. I have good intentions, and I'll be like, I want to read this. In fact, my son and I made a decision about three days ago to read the entire Bible in 60 days. That was a big commitment. So I'm, I raked the least listening to my scripture yesterday, right? So I'm not encouraging you to do that, but just to literally take a chapter and start reading. And when, when something catches your brain, just stop. Think about it. What does that mean? What does that mean for me? Take those minutes to pause and consider. So I, I have done something as simple as just read. Just spend a few minutes reading, seeing what God is going to say to you. Next, I, I put down this word resonate. It's interesting what happens in my brain while I'm reading in the morning. Because I'll sit down and I'll, I'll read and suddenly I'm thinking about, oh, I forgot this. Oh, I forgot that. Oh, I maybe it's just me. Right, Because the brain is just going faster than you can read. right? So I always keep a piece of paper next to me. And as soon as something comes in my mind that I just want to get out, I just write it down. Okay, now I, don't, I can do that later. right? Get it out, write it down. right? But I sit and I kind, of, I kind of allow the Holy Spirit to guide my mind over the scripture and see what resonates. Now, sometimes it's going to be something like we just talked about where the Lord shows us a sin in our life. And that's the time we say, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Or maybe God brings you the memory of of an old friend. You think about an old situation as you're thinking about it. Well, pray for your old friend. Maybe God's bringing it to your mind. Maybe not, but they could use your prayer. Right? Right? See where the Spirit's leading you. Maybe, which happens to me quite often, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about a conversation I had with somebody and I thought, oh, that probably didn't come out right. I probably said that a way I shouldn't have said that. And and I really do believe that this little thing of reading the Bible and seeing what resonates in those moments, I keep a journal next to me and I write down kind of the thoughts of my mind, right? About three weeks ago, I thought about this couple. He used to play, he used to play the saxophone on our worship team in Kiev, and he, he only played like jazz, right? So there was like three years that all of our worship sounded like jazz, you know. I'm going to write them. I just wrote them. I hadn't talked to them in years. They live in Perth, Australia, I think. 
I wrote them, and he's like, oh, man, I'm so glad you, you wrote. My son is going through surgery today. I'm sitting in the hospital. Could you pray with me? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if that was God or if that was me, but I prayed with him. Right? So just let the Holy Spirit, what resonates with me in the moment? But here's what often happens what, when, we, when that happens, is we start explaining things away and we resist. We have an excuse, especially with sin stuff, right? Especially with sin things that are happening in our minds and in our lives. We say, yeah, but I've tried changing, but I haven't in the past. And so we resist. I really do believe that between this point where something resonates in our heart and we sense God is saying something, and between this point in which we resist, that's a God moment. that may be the most important moment of your week. It happened to Moses, right? He's, he's up and he has this God moment with this burning bush, right? And he says, I want to free the Jews. And Moses is like, yeah, praise God, let's do that. And he says, through you, you're going to do it. He's like, no. It resonated with Moses right away. And then God says, yeah, I'm going to use you to do it. I think that happens to us all the time. It may happen in a quiet time, in a devotional time. It may happen as you're driving down the road. It may happen when you're listening to a podcast. It could happen all the time where something resonates in your heart, and then you want to resist it. And that's the God moment where you have to make a decision. God, what do you want me to do? And most of the time, the thing that God wants me to do, I don't want to do. And we've got to make a decision. We've got to see who the Lord is. Who's the Lord of our lives? Is it me or is it him? This, you may have come from a lot of different church backgrounds. This is exactly what we call being spirit-led. Sometimes it, we think that it's about something that happens within the service. There's some spiritual gift that happens or something. Spirit-led is when we sit and we sense the Holy Spirit guiding us through the word guiding us to do something, and we say, yes, Lord. And we do it. Simple as that. And finally is the response. Pastor Mitch has a, has a class on Wednesday nights on how to really just go through the word of God through, through a process of asking questions, and the final one is the application. Okay, now that you read the scripture, what are you going to do about it? That's what this is. What's our response? And often it's just me sitting there sensing God wanting me to do something. The question is, what do I do from there? And when it's something I don't want to change, God keeps bringing it up. When it's something we'd, we'd rather just leave in one way, God keeps bringing it up. And the thing is, between that thing that resonates in our heart that God brings up and our response and our willingness to resist, that God moment, it gets easier and easier to resist over time because we've done it in the past. Scripture calls it getting a hard heart when we resist and we resist. And over a while, when we resist enough in so many ways, we kind of push away that whole process altogether. And we default to the culture of being a Christian 
rather than just being close to God. This little process, which can literally take five minutes or an hour, I think that little process is life-transforming. You can sing songs as loud as you want on a Sunday morning. You can come and cry tears uh, on the steps in the front here. But I don't think any of it is more valuable in our faith than this process of simply allowing the word of God in a time of prayer to affect change in our lives. Churches have all kinds of measurables. And, and we joke with other pastors. I, I meet with other pastors and we scoff at the measurables. Butts, bucks, and buildings. Do you know that? Butts, bucks, and buildings. How many butts were in the seats at your church? How many bucks you got in your bank? And how big's your building? Those are horrible measurables, aren't they? I really think that one of our great measurables could be, although we can't measure it, is how many of us in the church body are doing this on a daily basis? What a great measurable that is. Now, we probably can't put that in a spreadsheet. But to be individuals who are saying, God, do your work in my heart and in my life. Generations before us sang songs that celebrated this. One of them, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my father's throne, make all my wants and wishes known. In season of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return. Sweet hour of prayer. The process that we go through can be diverse. Just sitting for a few moments, the cup of coffee and the word of God, saying, what do you want to show me? Or to go with a heavy heart. I have a heavy heart at times. And to just simply go and give it to God. There are times I'm angry. And I sit down to do this process and God shows me I probably don't have good motivations for my anger. But if I had not spent that time with the Lord, I probably would have stayed angry. Let's switch to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Old Testament Psalms, beautiful passage. Now we're going to switch to Paul's recognition of this process in a different way. Because his recognition was when you spend time with the Lord, when you get close to him, there's opportunity to stay away from problems in your life. You see, God desires our lives to flourish, and we consistently sabotage God's plan by doing what Scripture calls very clearly sin. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. So what we're looking at is kind of Numbers chapter 14 through 25. He's going to be reflecting on those passages. What we're looking at is the nation of Israel's roaming around the desert. They are being guided by God, God's people. 
guided by God by a cloud by day and fire by night. God is guiding them where they should go. They are God's people. He is providing food for them. He's providing water for them miraculously, right? God's people in the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food and all of them drank the same spiritual water for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them and that rock was Christ. So I thought that was really amazing that Paul would say their experience in the desert, Christ was walking with them, right? And all the things that they were provided were gifts of God. Yet God was not pleased with most of them. And their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did. So Paul is saying, you go back and you read Numbers 14 through 25, and I'm telling you, this is a warning to us not to live like they did. To not do the things that they did. And he'll, he'll name them in just a second. Every uh, Sunday morning growing up, we went to church, we came home. The Packer game was always on at noon because we weren't that good back then, right? Well, the game's on at noon today. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, the ratings aren't there. It's not a night game. We'd come home, and Dad would take out the Green Bay Press Gazette, which back then was like this thick on a Sunday, right? And he would literally drop it in the middle of the floor, and he'd take his pieces, and the rest of us, like wild animals, would grab our pieces, Right? And my, my brother just loved going through the, the advertisements and the, what do you call it, where you can buy other people's stuff. Classifieds. He loved the classifieds. He bought guns and dogs and all kinds of things off classified. Back then, I bought my first gun from some guy down the street in classifieds, right? Not good or bad, just, just telling you. And I would always get the comics. I'm the youngest. I got the comics. And by the end of my day, my fingers were like black and red, right? And, and I loved going through the comics. I, I, you know, I loved all of the comics, Snoopy and but Calvin and Hobbes, kind of one of my favorites, right? I know he's rebellious, and don't, don't put that on me. But loved Calvin and Hobbes, got to say. But there was always like the, the one-panel one that was Family Circus. You guys remember that? Boy, you guys like comics. And it was a, a parents and like little kids and it was always like just a quirky little thing that's happening. But they had like a running theme. And that was that anytime something went wrong, you know, for instance, there would be a, a, a vase that fell that was busted and two kids are sitting there. And mom would say, who broke this? And both of them would say, not me. And not me. And I don't know. And there was a third one that they often used. But then they ended up having them as a ghost in the background right? Not me was one of them. Had not me on his chest, you know, and I tried that as a kid. It didn't work with my parents like it did with their parents, you know. I think everything that Paul's about to talk about here, we position ourselves when it comes to sin, when it comes to failing and failing miserably in our faith. We kind of take on the posture of the family circus ghost, and we say, not me. That, that kind of stuff's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to my family. It's not going to happen in, my, in the ways that it does with other people. Not me. If I could speak to you as a friend and as a pastor, 
if you don't spend time with the Lord where God speaks to you about the sin, everything is possible in our lives. All of us have the potential of failure. Let me go back. Verse 6 and we'll go down real quickly. These things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of they did. Some, as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pag- pagan revelry, which I looked that up and I don't really know what that is. I'm just thinking it's not a very good thing. And we must not engage in sexual immorality. By definition, that's all things outside of God's will for sex, which is between a man and a woman for a lifetime in marriage. So we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we Put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died by snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the angel of death. Now, this is all Numbers 14 through 25, and I don't have this time this morning. But all of these situations were happening to them as they were being led by the Spirit of God in a cloud. They're seeing the miracles. The, the Red Sea parted. The river parted. The, the water gave, the rock gave water for millions Every single morning, they are given spiritual food, and yet, they turned away from God. They had all the culture. They had all the trappings. But the great thing is where Paul goes next. These things happened to them as an example for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Saying, okay, don't get caught up in what it looks like to be a follower. Be a follower. My dad allowed my brother and I to drive this car. I don't know if it was a blessing or a curse. It was a 1978 Oldsmobile, kind of a curse. Um, had a 350 in it, so it was really fast. But we put, we put any tire that we could find on the car. Right? Usually they had to be about the same size, which was helpful. But anything that had tread, we'd put on it. We didn't buy four new tires or two new tires. My dad was smart enough. So literally, you'd be driving down the road, and if you let go of the wheel, you'd go like this. <laughs> right? you gotta got to adjust. And so my brother and I were real smart. And we're like, oh, we've got to balance them out. We'd jack it up. We'd switch the tires around, and then you let go, and it'd go this way, right? <laughs> and that, that was just a regular thing. And, and I think that... A lot of our lives, if, if we're not spending time with the Lord, if we're not spending time with God, it's easy just to be off course. It's easy to get off course. Verse 12, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. If you think, I'm good with God, be careful. Be careful. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And I think this is something that often we get caught up in. We think we're unique. But let me tell you what you're being tempted in and the struggles you're going through in your everyday life, they're pretty universal in the room today. We all struggle with them. And finally, and this is, this is where we're going to go for communion. Pastor Mitch, if you'd come. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. 
Not if you're tempted, when you're tempted. When it's hard to follow God. When it's hard to do it God's way. When it's hard to say yes. He's got a way for you to do that. That is that point between resonate and resist. In which you have to make a decision. Hey God, if you're showing me something, what's the way out? What's the response? Today we're going to participate in communion together. Uh, if someone did not get a communion cup, if you just slip up your hand and you want to participate, our, uh, our staff will go ahead and, and get a look at the sharing that's going on. That's great. Anybody else? I think there's one over here. There's a couple over here that miss communion. We practice open communion here at Portview, and what we mean by that is you don't have to have gone through class or be a member of our, our community to participate in communion. But we do encourage you to be part of the family of God and know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if that is a question for you, I'd love to talk with you after service. Please find me. And just, and just set this aside in just a moment. 1 Corinthians 11 challenges us to essentially do that process. If we put that slide on that process of read, resonate, resist, what, how am I going to go through the process of examining my heart? We're doing communion once to twice a month right now to encourage a process in our lives of saying, God, where am I at? I, I find that in my life it's wonderful and it's exciting when God gives me a name of somebody I should reach out to like my friend or, or if there was something else the Lord encouraged me in and it was like a positive thing. But I find that just as pervasive in my time that's quiet is times in which God is saying, yeah, what about this in your life? What about this attitude, this action, this way of thinking, this private sin, this private practice? What about that? And in that moment, the potential is for freedom. Freedom from that sin. Freedom from that practice. Freedom from that attitude or the anger like I spoke about before. When we say, Lord, I confess my sins. The beautiful thing is, it doesn't happen in a big room happens alone between you and God. That's what we want to happen today. So just for the point of getting rid of some loud noises, go ahead and peel back that clear one first, uh, and that will put access to the, to the symbol of the bread, and then you can just kind of start as well the little purple thing to get the, the liquid open, because often what happens is we have a time of quiet, and all you hear is... <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You want to go back to the little glass thing so we have some quiet again, right? But well, I'll just start, start them. Scripture tells us that we need to examine ourselves or participate in the remembrance of the body and the blood of Christ. And so I'm going to encourage you to just get alone with God and say, what resonates today? Is there an area of my life that, Lord, I need to turn towards you. Is there unforgiven sin in my life? Now, remember, God is close. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, God is close. He'll always be there with you. 
So my question is, are you close to him? I love the faithfulness of God, but are you close to him? So if you'll take a few moments, close your eyes, get, by, get alone with God. Let him speak for a few moments. take out the symbol of the bread with me and hold it in your hand and we'll, we'll partake it together with it in just a minute. Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you'll hold up the bread with me, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Today we can spend time in reflection because of your sacrifice. There's forgiveness of sin because of your choice to come be 100% man and 100% God. To be without fault and yet to be willing to be a sacrifice so that I can have new life. So, Lord God, we remember your body that was broken for us. We remember the sacrifice that was made for the forgiveness of our sins. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take of the host together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's hold the cup together. Lord, we remember your blood that was shed for us, that washes away all our sins. Lord, that makes us white as snow. That gives us freedom from the heaviness of our choices. That guides us into a life that flourishes. So Lord God, we remember your blood that takes away our sins, that keeps you close to us. Lord, help us to stay close to you. And Lord, we look to your soon return. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let's take of the cup. If you'd stand with me. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come up to the left. I'm going to be standing off to the right. If you'd like someone to pray with you today, I, I had about three people today all talk to me about bad backs, right? Anybody else been raking a little too much? 
bad backs. Can, can we just have a prayer for bad backs before we're done here? Man, some of you guys just <laughs> went into prayer. Like, yeah, let's let's pray for bad backs. Um, and feel free in just a moment after my prayer, I'm going to release you to quietly move into the cafe. But if you'd like to spend some time, if you felt yourself resist something that resonated in your heart, don't leave here without an action plan. Don't just let it harden your heart and do nothing. If while you were in communion, something touched your heart while we were speaking today, something touched your heart, don't leave too quick. Stay during some worship time, reflect on those things. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much that we can spend those quiet moments in the morning or at our lunch or in the evening just spending some time with you, Lord God. Lord, if we would all practice this sense of your guidance in our lives, Lord, I truly believe that we would be more like the body of Christ you want us to be than if we did anything else. So, Lord, guide us in the process of just staying close to you because you always, you're so faithful to stay close to us. So, Lord, help us to turn to you. Stay close to you, Lord God. To not just think it won't happen to me, not me, but to realize when we keep our our ears closed to you, Lord God, our hearts hardened to you, we're capable of anything. So, Lord God, keep us close to you today. Lord, I pray for all the bad backs all across the room. Lord, help us. Heal us. For some of us, help us lose a little weight. Help our backs. For some of us, Lord God, help our backs that are systemically wrong. Lord, I pray for some healing and some some freedom of, of pain today. Lord, go with us. Help us to put into practice this week a lifestyle of listening to you and responding. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.